Hello, Minnesota boxing fans, and welcome to another episode of the Minnesota Fight Night podcast. I'm Brian Johnson, and my co-host is Sean Strauss. In this episode, we had the distinct pleasure of meeting and interviewing Sean Clerken, a legendary figure in the world of Minnesota amateur boxing. Sean did some amateur boxing as a young man in Ireland before making his way to the U.S. in 1963. For nearly a half century, he has held leadership positions with the Upper Midwest Golden Gloves. He is the longtime president of the Upper Midwest Golden Gloves Board of Directors, and he also serves on the national board. Closer to home, he runs the Golden Gloves Firehouse Gym and Boxing Museum at 555 Mill Street Northeast in Columbia Heights. The museum is a must-see for fans of Minnesota boxing. In the following interview, Sean talks about his life in boxing, the current state of amateur boxing in Minnesota, and much more. I hope you enjoy the episode. You want to start off, Sean? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think Brian normally does our intros for yeah. when we do uh, the podcast stuff. I think sure. he does a great job. Um, I'm super excited to talk to you, though, just because I know a little bit about you from that trip I was on, you know, sure. Salt Lake City. Um, and on top of that, the upper Midwest that I went to, um, the last one in 2019, I recognized you, you know, and you said hi to me when I came in and I know you're a sociable guy and it was just really nice. You know, I liked the fact that you were there and out socializing and stuff. So I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, as you mentioned, Joe Marsh up there and, um, we were very close. As a matter of fact, um, uh, and Chuck Hills, Harry Davis. Uh, mm-hmm. Harry Davis was kind of my mentor in a sense because when I went to the national tournaments, I kind of sat with him and it, it, very knowledgeable, cool guy. Um, and I, I think he did a super job for the amateur program here. Yeah, he really blazed some trails here. Oh, he, 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 you know, and he was kind of, in my eyes anyway, a uniting guy mm-hmm. with between the blacks and the whites and stuff. Mm-hmm. He wasn't uh, you're white or I'm black or so forth. And he had that chemistry that a lot of these people don't have, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I'm hope hopefully I'm passing some of that on to the minority kids that come in here and so forth that we're all equal and even though it's a tough business, the boxing. Yeah. Um, the big thing is. Uh, <laughs> We have a logo saying is um, protect, and it comes from protect yourself at all times mm-hmm. and respect. Mm-hmm. And the respect goes to yourself first, because mm-hmm. if you don't do that for yourself, you don't pass it on to the others. And yeah. always respect your opponent, you know, because um, uh, that, that can show up in, in, in a boxing match. Yeah. So what, by way of introduction now, what is your official title? You're the... I'm president of the Upper Midwest Golden Glove Board of Directors. Okay. And I also serve on the National Golden Glove Board. Okay. And uh, in this gym, I'm kind of the director of the Firehouse Gym. Okay. And how long have you been in this capacity with the gloves? Um, 72. Since 72, that's when I got involved. So since the Nationals, when it was held here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got tied in with them. George Ryder Jr., mm-hmm. who's a former Upper Midwest champion, 
and as a matter of fact across the street here in Mersion Hall um, mm -hmm. they started boxing in the basement mm -hmm. and my next door neighbor young guy had, had heard that I boxed in the Navy and he came over and he said hey Sean they're training boxing over at Mersion Hall they're looking for some coaching mm. and um, I took a walk over there and I met the writers and that was kind of my introduction to the um, amateur boxing so that was in 72 or be oh, that was that a little before, before 72 okay yeah um, yeah yeah 72 kind of highlighted with the, the nationals being held here yeah and that's when I got first to meet Ching Johnson and those guys mm -hmm. and Harry Davis as a matter of fact so you mentioned you did some boxing in the Navy? Yeah, the, I was in the Mer British Merchant Navy for five years. Okay. But I started boxing in Ireland, uh -huh. and then I went to England, and I did a little boxing, nothing major. Mm -hmm. And then when I went to sea, I kind of continued boxing, um, not, uh, not over, over, but um, you're kind of restricted to your limits mm -hmm. in, in, at sea with the ships and all that stuff. Yeah. But I started a little sports club on the ship, had some guys working out in boxing. We did a couple of boxing shows uh, aboard ship. Mm -hmm. I always enjoyed it. I, I wasn't yeah. a, in Ireland we have a, a variety of sports that are not uh, well known, like hurling, mm -hmm. Gaelic football. And I tried my hand at that, but I, I found myself I was not a team operator. Um, you know, you have to coordinate with the other guy and mm -hmm. pass it to this guy, and um, it just didn't settle with me, but the boxing did. Because you can go in and, you know, do your thing personally and for your own satisfaction. Yeah. So did you ever do any pro boxing or no anything pro like boxing. that? No. Okay. No. Um, well, here I pro refereed and amateur refereed, you mm -hmm. know, and I enjoyed it up to a point. I was kind of disappointed with some of the pro things, and I think that put me off the pro uh, officiating. I, I had mm -hmm. guys that shouldn't have been in the boxing ring mm -hmm. to start with, you know, and yeah. you're refereeing. As a matter of fact, I had one instance where I'm refereeing this guy. He doesn't get hit. He falls down, right? Mm. So I go over and I'm counting one, two. I said, get up. You haven't been hit three, four. <laughs> get up. I said, you know. So he got up again. And again, he fell down without getting hit. I said, it no makes you look like a jackass, you know? Yeah. Um, so we talked about that with Rob Lear. We had an interview. I don't know if you know Rob Lear, but uh, he does some publicity for Armory Boxing. And uh, he talked about that back in the day when um, he, he gave a lot of credit to Scott Ledoux for sort of cleaning up some of that. And, um, you know, I don't know if you have an opinion on that, but a lot of mismatches, people, like you said, who had no business being in the ring. And um, I think so. it's a constant problem. Yeah. <laughs> a constant battle yet to keep it, fighting. It, it, it is. Um, they've got, as you said, they've put some restrictions in there, but it, it, it's still. Um, depending on the promoter, yeah. you know, and um, some of the promoters in the past shouldn't have been promoting, to be honest, you know, mm -hmm. because they were the guys that were, oh, get me a guy to fill the card in and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I did a little promoting myself um, mm -hmm. with George Ryder, uh, the guy that used to own Little Jack's restaurant, you know. Mm -hmm. We did about two or three shows, and I got out of that too because that was another mess, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it pushed me more to the amateur. You said George Ryder yeah. used to own Little Jacks? No, George Ryder Jr. Oh. And the guy, Jack Rushitar, that owned Little Jacks. Oh, okay. 
the three of us combined and threw a few bucks together. I was going to say, I like that place, the Little Jacks. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a beautiful, beautiful place. A couple of my sisters have had wedding receptions there. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, um, it's in the past now, you know. Yeah. yeah. So how many amateur bouts did you have? I had about 22. Okay. Um, uh, some were um, regulated, some were not. Um, uh-huh. And uh, being at sea, um, uh, it gave me an opportunity I included the shows aboard ship where yeah. we, we put the put them on for the crew and so forth, you know. I bet there were some good fights there. <laughs> well, there was one. I, um, I boxed uh, an English guy, and he stopped me in the first round <laughs> because I, I got so pissed off. I spun out the mouthpiece, and I went after him, and I learned a big lesson there. Mm. You can't lose your temper in the ring. Right. And uh, that's always stayed with me. I said, mm. um, I'll preach it to the young guys coming up. Be cool. Have your facts together. Don't lose your temper, you yeah. know. And temper is a factor in, in boxing. I mean, you can get mad. Yeah. And it, I don't know, it pumps the blood up and into the muscles or so. And you can throw stronger punches when you're a little mad, mm. you know. But uh, temper is a different ball game. So it just throws you off your game, you stop thinking ra- <laughs> as a rational person and you just get careless? You get careless, you throw punches that you shouldn't be throwing. Yeah. You, you know, uh, uh, you want to go after the guy and, and take the guy out, you know, mm-hmm. and you lose all, all level thinking of mm-hmm. what you're doing, you know. Yeah. Uh, and um, it, it's not a healthy situation. Yeah, yeah think you would get tired faster by being angry you know your muscles all tensed up and throwing throwing hard shots and then guys could get winded or something you know just from giving it everything well the big thing is you losing your temper depending on your opponent if he's a straight thinker he can see right away where your weaknesses are Mm. you know and you know the guy can say well oh i can nail this guy a couple of times and he's going to get pissed off at me Mm. then it'll give me an opening you know and those things happen. So you went, you did some amateur boxing, and then uh, where where did you take it from there? Obviously, been heavily heavily involved in the sport, especially on the amateur side. How did you decide to sort of make that next step? Into- well, I tell you, from my um, my upbringing is when I started in amateur boxing, even if I wasn't boxing, I was still going through the motions. Mm. get an old heavy bag in the basement and so forth and that was my form of exercise you know Mm. Um, and as I say when I came to the United States um, I I came in 63 Mm. so it was mid 70s or early 70s sorry that uh, they opened the gym over there Mm. and I thought well I enjoy it I'll go over and see what the kids are all about and Mm. I hooked into it from there you know yeah and I opened several other gyms in town. I was down on Broadway mm-hmm. for a couple of years, and um, then I had another site up here in Columbia Heights for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I served in the city council here for four years. Um, here in Minneapolis? Columbia Heights. Columbia Heights. City right. council. Yeah. And when they built a new fire station and police station in mm-hmm. Columbia Heights, I went up and saw the city manager, and I said, what are you guys doing with the facility? And I said, well, we don't have any plans. I said, well, how about renting it to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, sure, you know. So 
that's about 10 years ago. Great, great. And across the street, we've got Mergen Hall. Mm-hmm. We can put three, 400 people in there. Yeah, I've been to one fights there. As we were coming in, I pointed it out to Brian because I'd been to one fight uh, that you guys held there, um, which was really cool. And then on top of that, you had another deal um, that I went to there for uh, Derry. Um, oh, yeah. Kind of to celebrate you know, him winning the Upper Midwest Golden Gloves, yeah. um, which was really neat. I, I felt so bad um, because I showed up with a picture I had printed out for him, and I spelled his name wrong. I think uh, in my phone it had typoed and it spelled Daryl. Oh, yeah. And uh, I didn't catch it, and I'm all proud. You know, Corey Rodriguez walks me up to him to show it to him, and he's like, oh, cool. And then he's like, oh, they spelled my name wrong. <laughs> and I felt so embarrassed. I left, went home, reprinted it, came back and gave it to him, and I was like, all right, I'm redeemed. But, <laughs> but man, that was embarrassing. But that place is great over there, you know, getting back to the Mersion Hall. How do you say it? Mersion. Mersion. Version Hall, yeah, this neat little place. Well, the the nice thing about it, um, I'm also with the Lions Club, Columbia Heights Lions Club, Mm -hmm. I'm past president of that. Um, But they work with me when we put shows on there. And the nice thing about it, they have a bar, which in most cases, the guys want to have a beer or something. Mm -hmm. And that's provided there, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's good, and it's got a fully, you know, full kitchen and stuff if you need me to do that, but, um, mm-hmm. and there's plenty of parking and so forth. And so it kind of works out well when we want to put a show on. So I'm sure you've worked with some great fighters over the years. We did a little tour here and saw some of the names, uh, some of the trophies and pictures and things like that. Uh, do you yeah. care to drop a few names? And Well, uh, uh, my, when, when, when you started the conversation, the first guy that came to me, and I'm going back to my sea days, yeah. uh, aboard ship, I had a guy by the name of Henry Speedy. Mm-hmm. He was uh, the former middleweight champion of South Africa. Mm. And I did a little work with him, aboard ship and so forth. Yeah. But he couldn't handle his booze mm. too well. And um, he uh, went after a few guys on the ship when he was slightly intoxicated. So. The quartermaster calls me up and says, Sean, get your ass up on deck. Henry's beating the crap out of some of our guys up there. Mm. So I went up and I cooled Henry down, but he got arrested. Oh, no. And they took him shoreside in Australia, in Sydney, and he went to jail, right? Mm-hmm. And I hadn't heard from him for a while, but then I read this article. Two of the guards at the prison started training him. Mm-hmm. Are you with me? Yeah. And when he got out of prison, he fought for the middleweight champion of Australia. Ah. And he fought a middleweight champion. Mm-hmm. And I thought, boy, there's a, there's a turnaround situation. Mm-hmm. I've tried to contact him because a good friend of mine runs the amateur boxing in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's from Liverpool, England. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ha- I haven't heard back if mm-hmm. Henry's still alive or passed away. But I thought that was uh, uh, yeah. a nice experience. Yeah. But back to amateur boxing, yeah. and you mentioned the name Derry Jones. Oh, yeah. Derry is a Columbia Heights police officer. Mm-hmm. And he came in here and started working out. And almost within a year and a half, he won the Upper Midwest Championship. Mm. You talk about a dedicated guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say he reminded me somewhat of myself, but I, I wasn't um, as strong as will as he was mm-hmm. he'd come in here work out by himself condition himself go out running 
mm. so forth. And I thought that was, maybe it was the policeman's mentality or something, but um, he didn't need a coach. He had a coach, but he didn't need a coach. And he went down to the Nationals, and I'm sitting, he, he's uh, fighting a guy from Washington, D.C., and the other franchise holder, Bobby McGruger, mm. who fought Sugar Ray five times, mm. uh, was sitting beside me, and we're watching the fight, and he buffs me, and he says, oh, your guy won that fight, right? But they give it to the other guy. Mm. And you know, there's the old saying, mm. don't leave it to the judges. Mm. You know? mm. Yeah. The, the expression in, yeah. in boxing, or amateur boxing anyway, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. and that's a little bit different too, right? I mean, in the pros, you're not scoring points the same way, but um, you know, you might be thinking you can score heavier shots and they might get counted differently in the pros. Yeah. But in, like you were showing us the the glove diagram and you know uh, where you show the kids where it's legal and unlegal you know or illegal unlegal yeah. making up words um to hit um it's a, it's a it's a different game isn't it it's a whole different thing going from amateurs to pros well um, you know i i've used the expression um but i don't know where the hell it came from but i've used the expression you know Mainly, and the scene has changed now, it's male and female, but male, you have to put your crap together mm. as, as a boxer. Mm. And I feel that some of that you take home with you. You have a responsibility for the house, and if you're married and you've got a couple of kids. And boxing helps put those standards together for you mentally and physically. Mm. Because you have to make the decisions and call the shots. Um, you can't run out and say to somebody, oh, Jesus, I owe $500 here, can you give me it, you know, or so. You have to be creative and come up and take care of you, yourself, you, your family, and so forth. And I think boxing helps uh, the individual put all that together, uh, kind of uh, unify the whole body, the brain and the, and, and the physical aspect. Um, and physically, uh, you know, I, I feel boxing helps a guy when he gets older because if he's done the proper training and so forth, he's conditioned his body and so forth, mm -hmm. and, and mentally also. Um, the brain cannot be neglected. You know, I say to these guys here, I said, I don't want to see any of you guys inspiring if you haven't gone through the skills of amateur boxing. Mm -hmm. You know, learn what it's about, you know. You really need to put in the work before you get in that ring. And, oh yeah, you know. yeah, it's, well, and you know, the, the whole thing is understanding the skills but then the condi conditioning is, we'll go back and forth. Some coaches have different um, outlooks in that, but I mean, if you know all the skills, but you're not in condition, you're not gonna go anywhere. Mm -hmm. You have to be in condition. Uh, and most of the, the boxers, even the pros that I've dealt with over the years, running is one of the best conditionings mm -hmm. uh, for boxing. My dad would talk about that and say that you could always tell the fighter was skipping his road work mm. because the just their skin yeah. like you could just see it in their face and stuff if they were skipping it. I don't know if that's true or not but I mean I know when I was younger and in high school when I was doing my exercises and stuff I I felt like that I had someone mention that to me once like, your complexion looks good I'm like, yeah because I'm working out mm. but now my complexion sucks I need to work out yeah, yeah <laughs> speaking yeah. of that do you have an or older element that comes to the gym too to to exercise or is it strictly like the kids oh no it's uh i've got um, 
I've got the kids' classes, and then I've got about 10, 12, 14 seniors that mm. come and work out. Um, and because of the virus and all that stuff, it, it's hurt our program because, mm. you know, this. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, we do the, the gloves and we make sure the gloves are sanitized after each use. Mm. So somebody isn't carrying a virus or so right. forth. And uh, that's put some of the guys off. But I see some of them coming out of the woodwork now that things are picking up, you know. How many kids are you working with right now? And you mentioned COVID. I'm, uh, I'm sure that's had an impact, but um, are you seeing things starting to pick up again? Oh, yes, or? yeah. I, uh, as I say, I see some of the older guys that were here before the virus making the effort to come back, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, as the wife was saying, we have the junior classes. We usually have about 16 to 20 kids, guys and girls, um, uh, mm -hmm. twice a week. And then we have the seniors. I call them seniors, but 17 and up um, mm. coming back. So um, we're, we're happy to see that, you know, and yeah. I've talked with USA Boxing uh, locally, uh, LBC 30, they call it. Mm -hmm. And I think they're about a third registered of what they normally are. Mm. And normally they have about, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's encouraging to see. And is yeah. that just because of COVID, or is it just in general that you've seen some of the numbers declining um, over the years? I know yeah, how was it prior to COVID? There's so much concern. Now, I imagine it's a hard sell for some, because a lot of parents don't even want their kids to play football, you know, because of all the sure. fears of concussions and stuff like that. And is that, how do you, I mean, you spoke very eloquently about the benefits Boxing. Well, how do you how do you make that case? One of my biggest disappointments in uh, the governing body of amateur boxing, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying all the top leaders are at fault, but um, they don't have it in the school system, mm -hmm. and uh, some of the colleges have it. Um, the Air Force in Colorado, you know, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years ago when I went out there. They took me and they said, all the cadets go through training amateur boxing. Mm -hmm. They all have to box. So in, in my eyes, that says something about the sport. Mm -hmm. But back to, it has to be in the school system. And um, when I say that, because it's the educational factor that's implemented in it. You take all the sports, football, hockey, so forth, it's all it, it kind of joins the families together. The families come out and support the kids and so forth. Mm -hmm. But the educational thing is the brain thing. And they could have contributed so much to improving amateur boxing because they have all the factors together about protecting the brain. And the brain mm -hmm. is so important that they've used it the opposite way and said, oh, this guy got killed and died in Wisconsin 40, 50 years ago, and that's still out there, you know. Mm -hmm. This kid died, you know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you look at the numbers of where deaths are and injuries are, boxing is the lowest on the totem pole. Yeah, really. Um, yeah, it's something he gave me I had to look at. It's mm -hmm. unreal. Yeah. Scuba, scuba diving, you have more deaths than boxing. Yeah, look at that. Horse racing, skydiving, hang gliding, that's kind of understandable. Motorcycle racing, college football all have more fatality rates per 100,000 participants 
all of those are higher than boxing, so that's really interesting. Well, I think it would be a plus sport in the school system. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I tried to get it in Colby Heights. They said, no way, you know. Yeah. Uh, it was a lady I was talking to, and uh, she was asking me, well, what do you think, what do you need space-wise and so forth? Well, I said, a ring is, is a factor, and it doesn't have to be like this ring. It could be a floor mm -hmm. ring or whatever, and a couple of heavy bags and so forth. And mm -hmm. um, oh, then she called me up a couple of days later and she said, I talked to the powers to be, and they don't want that sport involved here. Yeah. But on the national level, I think USA Boxing, that's where they should be going, coming from. Mm -hmm. they, they're doing a decent job, but they're, they're more hept on the Olympics the more hept on. If I've got 20, 20 kids training out here and I've got two kind of champions, well, uh, Derry's an example. Derry won the Upper Midwest, he went to the Nationals, and he was going to try out for the Olympics, you know? Mm. But then they cancelled it because of. Wow. And that's the ones that the governing body's after. You know, that's where their money comes. Yeah. You know, it's back down to the dollar bill. Uh, they've got that place in Colorado Springs, uh, USA Boxing um, mm. training camp and so forth, mm. and that's great. But um, somehow they're missing the point in my eyes. Any maybe they're not. Maybe they are trying it, but I've never heard of it. Yeah, well, even at the college level, they used to have some pretty good amateur boxing programs, and now that seems to be going away, even at that level. Oh so. yeah, it's uh, um, the wrong message is going out there or the wrong message is, is dictating to the general public about amateur boxing. Mm -hmm. And somehow, you know, that's a wealthy guy, a millionaire, a billionaire comes in and, you know, uh, Sugar Ray some years ago uh, called it the Sugar Ray Golden Love Tournament and he mm -hmm. traveled around the country mm -hmm. and he came to Minneapolis and had it down at the old armory, yeah. which is the new armory now, yeah. and had it down there. And I thought, Jesus, this is on the right track. You, you've got the prestige of Sugar Ray. Mm -hmm behind it and, and then that fell apart and I don't know why but mm. yeah it's you know and, and mm. this is why I kind of like to acknowledge the old timers mm -hmm. that contributes to the amateur boxing it was money out of their pocket and away from their family and so forth but they loved the sport they loved coaching it and so forth and um, never got acknowledgement you know yeah uh, even the local paper years ago we used to have Dick Cullum and uh, a couple of other reporters mm. that would cover boxing. Yeah, yeah. I had Sid Hartman one night down mm. at Murray's where I worked. Yeah. He used to have his own booth. And I said, Sid, what about amateur, what about boxing? I don't know if I said amateur, but what about boxing? He says, boxing's dead. We're not interested, you know. And here's a, the dominant figure in the, in the sports deal, you know. And when I opened the paper up, and I see uh, four pages on basketball, mm. four pages on football, mm. hockey, right? Uh, and you're fortunate if you, even with a champion, you know, like yep. Caleb, mm -hmm. you get a little speck like yeah. this, you know. Um, and if you don't yeah. have uh, that loyalty in the sporting writers mm. area, um, it, it isn't going to go anywhere. That's a great point. I remember when Jason Litzow was fighting uh, Robert with Guerrero uh, for a world title a number of years ago, probably 10 years ago now or more. 
almost no coverage in the world in the papers here locally and i i i couldn't believe that you've got a local saint paul kid fighting for a world title and charismatic kid and everything and it got no media attention no. Was, do you remember don riley yeah i do he used to cover boxing a little he bit he did yeah. a super job yeah. uh, he was a bit of a bullshitter but <laughs> we all are in a yeah. sense but i enjoyed him mm -hmm. uh, uh, because he was die-hard boxing. Yeah. And that's what you need with the papers, St. Paul and Minneapolis. And yeah. it's not there anymore, and they don't encourage it. You know, it's one year we did um, Harry Davis. Mm. We went down to uh, um, Twin City Federal, the president, I forget his mm. last name, but Harry mm. knew the guy pretty good, right? Mm. We set a deal up to hold the Upper Midwest Golden Globe program at the Target Center. Yeah. And we found out that the Target Center, I may be wrong in my numbers here, have to provide the space to amateur sports 15 or 20 times a year, mm. right? So we clicked on one date there to hold the Upper Midwest. The bank came in with 30,000, not in cash to us, but in advertising. Mm. And they would sell the tickets at all the outlets. So we put the show on, shit, we were lucky if we had 300 people there. Mm. But this guy that was president of the bank, he's passed away, uh, while we were sitting in his office, and we said, well, you know, we can't get any ink in the paper. Said, what do you mean? So he picked up the phone, and I don't know who the hell he talked to, but sure enough, the next day there was an article in the paper in boxing. Oh, wow. wow. But anyway, yeah. after it was all over, they forgot to mention to us that we had to pay for the labor, and the taxes, jeez, oh, mm. and we're in the hole, you, you know. Yeah. I know. So where are you holding your shows once the once we can get back to having fans and things like that? I I hold a show across the street, right across the street. Right. Yeah. We have our Upper Midwest at the casino. Mm -hmm. uh, this year it's going to be at Cass Lake, mm -hmm. small casino. Oh, okay. um, yeah. It's it's um, they're very good to us. Um, my personal key now is not the spectators. Yeah. I'd love to have the spectators. My outlook is to take care of the athletes, the boxers. Mm -hmm. The right. casino, we feed them, we house them, mm -hmm. uh, and those are, you know, and it's all within the one area, you know. Yeah. How about going back to some of the guys you worked with? We've seen some banners on the walls and some of the uh, national champions. I think we saw a mention of Rob Brandt up there and, and Tony Lee, people like that. I talked about going back even to the 70s, people like Monroe Gage and Sherman Griffin. And um, Do you have any, uh, any particular fighters that, um, I, I guess, who would you say are some of the top amateur fighters that you've worked with over the years? Dwayne Bobbick, great amateur. Um, Dwayne came to us with the Nationals nice guy jesus christ the presentation yeah when he had all his smarts together and so forth but his problem i and i i'm just thinking of, i think he got hooked up with the wrong people mm. he went to joe fraser yeah and i think right. joe fraser used him as a punch bag you know mm -hmm. Dwayne never liked the idea that he was classified as the white hope yeah yeah can you imagine being in joe fraser's gym yeah. Hey, you were going to be the white hope, you know? Right. And I think he got banged around there pretty good. And I remember his fight against Kenny Norton. That was a big deal. That was on national television and everything. And, of course, he got stopped in the first round. I think that he got in the throat. In the yeah. yeah, in the throat. 
um, you know, just kind of went downhill from there. But it's too bad that that's how a lot of people remember Dwayne. But he was a great amateur boxer, wasn't he? Oh, I think he was. He was the closest uh, Pan Am champ. He yeah, was, he was the closest in, in my area in in, in uh, Minnesota as the guy mm. in the in the pro boxing. Beat Larry Holmes. Vern Gagne wanted to. I talked one time of taking his contract. And turning him into a wrestler? No. Oh. Boxing. Oh, okay. But he went with Joe Fraser instead. Oh, really? And I asked Vern that. I said, Vern, he said, nah, there's some truth to that, but. Really? really you know. But, you know, Vern had the contacts in the wrestling world at that time. He was mm-hmm. the cream of the crop. You know, yeah. wrestling and promoting and all that stuff, you know. Well, Tony Stetcher was that way, right? I mean, yeah. he was wrestling first, I think, then boxing. Yeah, yeah. Well, Joe Frazier put his own son, Marvis, in there with, uh, with Tyson. Oh, and, sure. uh, so and, that's right. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was like, shh, yeah, feeding uh, sheep to the wolves there. Well, anyway, you're, uh, so you've been in this since 72 with the gloves? Oh, yeah, yeah. And so we're going on almost 50 years there now. Um, how much longer do you think you'd like to be involved in this? Well, I said the same thing to my boss that owns Murray's. He says, after the thing is over, we'd like you to come back. And I said, as long as I'm healthy, mm-hmm. and um, that's the number one factor. Yeah. Health and family, you know, mm-hmm. as long as I'm healthy, I'm in there for the long run. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not classified as a retirement guy. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in that. I've had so many guys, mainly guys, that have retired. Mm-hmm. Good friend of mine owned Long Lake Ford Tractor. Mm-hmm. Retired with millions bought a place in Arizona, uh, a, um, what do you call those areas, gated areas? Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. He was dead within two years. Wow, yeah. And the guy used to be active. Mm-hmm. I, 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 personally, I think the, there's a breakdown there somewhere when you change your whole uh, rhythm of life uh, and sit on the couch and watch TV and right. maybe go out for a walk and then a walk will do a walk will do me good in my eyes that's all BS mm. you have to be active you have to use the brain mm. you have to communicate with the younger generation and that's what I love about it here yeah. the younger generation they said oh uh, what do we do here what do we do there and it makes me uh, come alive you know yeah that's my feeling on it yeah I have to ask you be- before we wrap up, I have to ask you about Buddy Bear. Yeah. There's a picture of you there with Buddy Bear and a couple other folks. Uh, how did you come happen to meet him? Well, um, Walt Hobart, the, the ball guy in there, mm-hmm. was associated with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles had their national convention in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And they had a bunch of old fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of the guys that were there. I had some photographs of him. But Buddy was a guest speaker okay. at the Eagles organization. Mm-hmm. And we joined, Walt, we joined the Eagles, myself and Ryder. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, you're dabbling. I'm working in the restaurant business at night and so forth. So it re- kind of restricted me in regards to getting so associated with organizations that do stuff on the weekends mm-hmm. and the nights and so yeah. forth. So, um, but that's where we... I met Buddy Bear. Yeah. Fought the great Joe Lewis. And then you mentioned Gene Fulmer. You've had some real, uh, made some real connections to some boxing. Oh, Gene Fulmer. Well, you know, we brought uh, back to Don Riley. 
mm-hmm. when we, I was involved with doing the National Golden Love Convention here. Mm-hmm. We brought Gene in as a speaker and we brought Willie Pep in. Oh, and Willie yeah. Pep was over in St. Paul because Don Riley says, well, we want to put the convention over in St. Paul. And I said, fine. Mm-hmm. And he says, eh, you don't have to worry about money. We'll take care of it. Well, that wasn't all the whole case, but mm-hmm. it, was, it was an enjoyable deal. And um, Is that we'll, where the whole, uh, <laughs> the whole thing with Riley and uh, Pep came about with uh, Jackie Graves in the third round? That's right. <laughs> we talked to Jake Wagner about that. He thinks that's a lot of baloney, but... <laughs> Yeah. No, I. Uh, what do you? Well, I thought it thoughts? was funny. I thought I think he said that that Graves uh, said something to him like like what like how do you you know win around without throwing a punch or whatever. And mm-hmm. I found some clippings myself uh, from the East Coast and from here where it talked about how in the third round it was actually Pep's best round. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't hear a lot on it, yeah. um, but um, there's some truth to it, you know. I saw a couple mm-hmm. of photos. Well, Pep's great, obviously. Um, and he and he did a number on Graves. He won, you know, obviously. Um, yeah. But I saw some photos from uh, I think that particular visit, sure. um, which was really cool. I probably saw a photo of you in it. Um, I'm not sure if those were from Clayton. Was Clayton there? Uh, no, Nelson? I don't think so. No. I might have seen him from Denny Nelson because I think yeah. he was there. We saw that cool sculpture of, that you have on your desk of Rocky Marciano throwing the right hand at Jersey yeah. Joe Walcott. Did you ever meet the Rock or Walcott or anything? I, did, I met the, the Rock in the old Minneapolis Convention Center. There was a pro card going on down there. Uh-huh. And um, I say I met him, I, you know, like just looked at each other and hello, and that was it. Mm-hmm. But that's the only time, yeah. yeah and he wasn't a big man. Yeah, right. I mean, I was surprised physically when I saw him. You know, he, I think he was 5'10 or 5'11. Didn't he come here to do some, like, refereeing for wrestling or something? He, yeah, he was involved. But this was a pro card that was down at the convention center. And um, went there, and he was one of the guest guys, okay. you know. I guess he made an appearance at the Armory back in the day, too, way back. Went for some amateur show or something. Um, um, but... You know, just one of those boxing legends. Yeah, oh yeah, no no question. Yeah, to all of our listeners, uh, you know, Brian mentioned that there's banners and cool stuff. But that doesn't even begin to talk about all the cool things they have here at Firehouse. They've got the uniforms of all the different, uh, what is it, regions? Franchises. Or, or franchises the United, for the Golden Gloves. Throughout the United um, States. But there's pictures, posters, you know, you name it. Um, the plaques of Sean and the Golden Gloves. Hall of Fame, and uh, and many many more. You guys have so many cool things that your eye gets lo- you know drawn in everywhere yeah. you look. Um, so if you haven't been here, I recommend coming down here. Absolutely. Mm. Well, one of my biggest acknowledgments is the ring. This is the uh, Hall of Fame Golden Glove oh, wow. ring that uh, they present now. Wow, nice. And, uh, that was that was an honor to to receive that down. That's in, cool. In Vegas. It's yeah. like a Super Bowl ring, guys. You got to see it. <laughs> and we saw your Hall of Hall of Fame plaque on the wall there too. Yeah, so. they've done away with giving the plaques out now. Yeah, that was Biff Holstein. I think we were the only the only three to get the plaques was Biff and Harry Davis. Yep, mm-hmm. I thought I saw that at the Circle of Discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, did yeah. you? The last question yeah. I wanted to ask was about the uh, the test event. 
you know, everyone's talking right now. Everyone's so excited about amateur boxing coming back. Right. And it looks like April 25th they're going to do a test event up in Hinkley with no spectators. Um, and it looks like emails have just been going out to the gyms about you know getting fighters. Are you in a position where you have any fighters that might be interested in you know doing stuff like I that? I have three or four uh, that that are interested, um, uh, and they're interested now. They fall off by the time that comes sure. around. But I've emphasized to them it's a stre- it's a testing situation. It's not a big heavy show, right. and uh, they want to try and get the rec together in regards of. Um, the different stats that relate to putting a, a show on. So, yeah, I have three or four that are very interested. As a matter of fact, um, I have uh, Dr. Benson coming on the 10th of uh, April oh, here checks. to do the physical checks. And um, he's been very good to our amateur program. Doesn't okay. charge us. And, mm-hmm. um, oh, you know, if you go into the doctor and get a physical, you know, you send a boxer in, you know, it's going to cost them. Sure. hundred and a half yeah. or... Maybe yeah. 200, depending on the doctor, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping from there that uh, we move forward and at least getting a couple of guys to uh, go up and represent the gym. Nice. Yeah, we heard about yeah. the test event, and at the time we didn't know there was going to be no spectators. So we we're high fiving and going like, "All right, we're going to go up." We were talking about carpooling yeah. and going up there to to go see it. And then within the week, you know, the more more details have been coming out, and we see that there's going to be no spectators. So that's kind of a bummer, but yeah. we're excited for boxing to come back. Yeah, I didn't even know that that there was going to be no spectators, but mm-hmm. yeah, I just saw. I think I saw that like yesterday or the day before. Yeah, mm-hmm. but no, that's good to hear. I'm glad that. Things are rebounding for you guys here at the gym, and that it sounds like the the kids and the adults and everyone they're starting to come back, and you're starting to get your uh, um, the action bustling in here again. Now you've got a website, uh, or no, you don't actually, right? You guys just pretty no, much are on Facebook. Yeah, we're just right. working on the website now. We should have that up uh, very shortly. I, I can yeah. relate to how difficult that is. I'm working on my own right now. Yeah. Um, but if kids want to come in here, or if adults want to come and check you out. Um, is that the best way for them to kind of find you? Is probably that, on that Facebook. That is, I can talk to them on the phone and stuff. But the best thing is to come up. Uh, we were open Monday through Thursday at five thirty till eight o'clock, mm-hmm. and then Saturdays from uh, noon till two. Okay. We're closed Fridays for now, mm-hmm. um, and um, I, uh, uh, I think we may reopen again on Fridays. But at the present time, we're closed. Okay. okay, and they can check you out on Facebook and like you on cool. Facebook and correct. All that. Yeah, yeah. You I'm not a great, fa- I'm not a a, a, a great um, technique in the modern type communications. My mm-hmm. wife does most of that. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, you know, I know. If, if I'm guessing, there's probably quite a few boxing fans out there that are listening to our podcast who might fall more into my category, where I work out a little bit, but not enough. <laughs> And most of the time, uh, when I hear about this place, I wanted to come just as a fan to look at the stuff because I heard about all the great stuff you had, and I wanted just to come and check it out because I mean this—it really is unlike anything that we have in the state. I mean, you've got treasures here that sure. I think a lot of boxing fans need to come and see. You know, Minnesota yeah. boxing fans—you have to at least come here once um, if they wanted to come just to see the stuff. You know. Um, I, I personally, I would recommend contacting Sean and having him show you around. Sure. Yeah. Um, but that's the is best, that the best way? That's the best way is give me a call. I'd be glad to, you know, I can do it during the daytime. The only reason we're open, not open during the daytime is because the offices are upstairs and we don't allow any noise to 
sure. affect the running of the city hall, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but, and you bring up a good point. Is, um, when I started the gym, I, did, I didn't just want it to be a gym. I wanted it to be a kind of a museum, a hall of fame. Mm -hmm. And as I repeat it, oh, a lot of the old timers were never recognized. And that's what I'm hoping to implement into the whole facility is these guys that are no longer with us, but contributed to the program. Um, and, and also the former national champions, I showed you some of them. I've got eight and I think there's been 13. So I'm still missing five and I'm still trying to contact people that may have been associated with some of those old time national champions that I could get something from them to display and recognize them for their accomplishments in, in the amateur boxing. Sure. So who are the ones that are, you're missing now? Do you know offhand? Uh, um, I'd, ha I'd have to write it up for you. Um, it's. Um, uh, are they in the display case there? Those no. are the ones that have That you been, have already? That I have. Because, um, yeah, I see you've got Truax and Bobbick, and you've got Pat O'Connor, Rob Brandt, Tony Lee, Jackie Graves. Um, oh, that's Raphael Butler. Yeah. When he did that famous shot when he's jumping in the air, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're the, so yeah. You're, you're trying to get the, uh, the upper Midwest champs that you have the banners for? Yeah. On the wall? The national okay. champions, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or, sorry, yeah, correct. That's not the upper Midwest champs. Those are national champs. Um, if I'm remembering right, uh, so Virgil Hill's up there. Virgil's up there. Um, which, you, you talked about it, but you've got this beautiful display case. Can you talk really quick about that headdress that he gave you? Yeah, the, the, the headdress he wore in, in his professional um, ring fighting, and um, when he retired, he donated to the facility, and then he signed some gloves, and uh, they're on display here also. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. And there's a picture of him wearing it, you know, underneath. That's yep, great. Yep. And I see you have a glove signed by Leon Spinks there. Leon Spinks and Muhammad yeah. Ali. Um, wow. uh, I get those on the side and um, have st uh, started to try and create another area, but my main goal was with the uh, national champions. Yeah. And Jim, Jimmy Ellis sent me that poster above the weight machine there. You see it, the photographs of oh, yeah. when he fought Muhammad Ali. Sure. He signed it too. Yeah. Very nice. I could spend all night here and uh, we could uh, we could talk to you forever, but... <laughs> yeah, I can't. Like I said, I mean, we're just standing in one room, listeners, uh, just to give you an idea. And there's so many things in this one room. We could probably hang out in here and talk about stuff just in this room for hours. And this is just a small portion of what they have here. So you have to come down and see for yourself. And Absolutely. Get in touch with Sean. Yeah, and yep. just so you know, uh, Jesse Kelly gave you a plug too. I saw that he said he was here about a week ago or maybe oh, last yes. week. Yeah, yeah. And he, he, you know, said it just was amazing. And I said, yeah, I heard from Corey Rodriguez. I have to come down. So I was really excited that we were going to be coming down here. Oh, fantastic! Well, it's nice to have you. Well, thank you for having us. Our it's pleasure. Been a pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. We won't be strangers.